I want you to say that, that He is here. I want you to hear yourself say it. But more importantly than hear yourself say it, I want you to envision that in your mind this morning. Wherever you may be, in this balcony, on this main floor, wherever you may be emotionally, wherever you may be spiritually, understand the Father is here. Go ahead and say that. Some of you may have to say it more than one time. He is here. He is here. He is here. Why is He here, Pastor? He's here to meet your need. He's here to touch you. He's here to strengthen you. He's here to work out all the difficulty. He's here to work out all the chaos. He's here to work out all my besetting sins. He's here to take care of those things in my mind and put me back on a path that I need to be on. He is here. Keep your eyes closed just a second. He is here. See, so often we come to church week in and week out and we come to listen to the music and we come to listen to the message and we come to see our brothers and sisters, but I fear sometimes that we forget We take for granted the fact that we come also to meet Him here. Oh, I know God's not confined by by time or space or, or houses. But we have gathered this morning to worship Him. Can we see that? Can we understand that this morning He is here? The Creator, the God, our Father our soon-coming King, the God that is the captain of our vessel, the God that is in charge of the army, the God who allows us to take authority in Him. He is here. He is here. I submit to you with your eyes closed and everybody thinking about that little statement that If we would really, really surrender to the fact that He is here, I would tell you things that I'm thinking wouldn't be the same. My language wouldn't be the same. My attitude wouldn't be the same. My motive wouldn't be the same. All of that would would change. Every bit of it would change. Father, I ask you right now, you see every person seated here in this house, You know everything, every heart, every life. Father, I ask you right now that we can come to the fact of understanding and knowing that you're here. You're here to guide us. You are here to open up the way. Touch your people this morning. Touch your people this morning. Strengthen your people this morning, Father, we ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Sister Michelle. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, Kristen, for that dance. I might have needed her to preach for me this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10. I want to preach. I said earlier that I want to minister to you concerning stepping on, stepping on Christ, getting our foot on the, on the neck of Christ. The scripture sort of talks a little bit about that. We're going to use as our text and our base today. But I just want to call this, this message, just step on it, step on it. And 
spiritually, I want us to get in a mindset that you and I, we have that authority this morning to step on the neck of the enemy and bind him. We'll say that one more time. Sometimes we don't take that authority, but we have the authority to step on the neck of the enemy and bind him and stop him from doing the things that would wreak havoc in our lives. Now, we know we live in the end times. We know we're living in the last days. We know that at any time Jesus could come back, right? We know that at any time Jesus could split the eastern skies. But I ask you one more time, are we ready? Are we ready to meet him? Are we ready to meet Jesus if he would come today? Are we allowing the enemy just to wreak havoc in our lives and cause other things to take place in our lives that's, not, that, that's contrary, I guess, to the Word of God? What are we doing? What are we doing in the mind in, in our minds, and our thought processes concerning our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'll, if you'll notice in this chapter, chapter 10, and I'm going I'm to read this, uh, a lot of this chapter, but to sort of lay a foundation, but there's a town here that you'll hear about when we get ready to read called Gibeon. Gibeon in the Bible days was a great major city. But Gibeon at this time was a threat to the kings of the Amorites, was, was a threat to the kings that was surrounding that nation, that city, because it had made a decision. And the decision that it had made was, I'm going to join the Lord's side. That was the decision. Isn't it amazing? Have you ever wondered that when you finally stand up for something and you say, I'm going to stand for the Lord, how much the enemy seems to come, come at you? Have you ever noticed that before? Maybe, maybe you're different than I am. But I've noticed that when I've made that decision, Brother Ralph, I'm going to stand for the Lord. It doesn't matter what comes my way. Boy, the enemy, he doesn't like that at all. Well, these, these other kings that was around Gibeon, they didn't like it either. The leaders of, of the city of Gibeon recognized that God was with Joshua. It didn't take a, a rocket scientist to tell them that. They saw all the things and the exploits of the children of Israel. And they understood that God was with Joshua and with the children of Israel. And they had wanted to come into covenant with Joshua and the children of Israel. And all the other kings that, in that area, they rose up against them. And they sent out word to the other kings to come up to, I want you to come up and help us to defeat Gibeon. But, but the good news is this this morning, church, is that by choosing God's side, all of heaven came to their aid. Hallelujah. By choosing the Lord's side, all of heaven comes to our aid. And that's, that's what we want to deal with this morning. Look with me in Joshua chapter 10. I think I, I want to start at verse number 1, Brother Bruce. I think I gave you number 3, but let's, let's start at verse, verse number 1. Sort of laying a foundation here. Now it came to pass when Adonah Zedek, the king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, and as he had done to Jericho and its king, so he had done to Ai and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, because it was greater than Ai, and, and all its men were mighty. Therefore, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Horam, king of Hebron, Param, king of Jarmuth, Japheth, king of Lachish, 
and Debar, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, had gathered together and went up, they and all their armies, and camped before Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. I just want to give a word to somebody before we continue reading this, this scripture, that if you feel like, if you're here this morning, and you feel like that you may be going through a literal hell, that the devil is throwing everything at you, including the kitchen sink, I want you to know that you, are not alone this morning. Amen. God knows what the enemy is trying to do and his word tells us that he will not forsake us. Amen. The devil this morning is not going to win. Why? Because the Lord is here. The devil is not going to win because his spirit is here. The devil is not going to win because we know that he is the captain of the army. He is the one that's guiding us this morning and what you've got to do is do exactly what Gibeon did. You've got to join up with the Lord's army and get on the Lord's side in order to defeat the enemy. How many wants the devil defeated in your life this morning? Amen. Come on, look with me, Will, in verse number 7. The Bible says, So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, and, and all the people of war with him, and, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, I love when the Lord speaks, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. And the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horam and struck them down as far as Ezekah and Makeda. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horam that the Lord cast down, listen to this, large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Ezekah and they died. Matter of fact, there were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel that was killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites and the children before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajanah. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Zasher? And the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and it did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it, or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Hallelujah. And then Joshua returned and all of Israel to him with the, at the camp of Gilgal. Now listen to this scripture. But these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Makeda. Isn't that interesting? These kings that was going to create war against Gibeon and, and the children of Israel, they run scared and they run and hide hid in a cave. And it was told Joshua saying the five kings had been found hidden in the cave at Makeda. And Joshua said, roll large stones against the mountain of the cave and set men by it to guard them. Do not stay there yourselves, but pursue
pursue your enemies and attack their real rear guard. Do not allow them to enter the cities, and the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. And then it happened that while Joshua and the children of Israel had made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter, till they had finished that those who escaped entered the fortified cities, and all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Makeda in peace. No one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. My Lord, there's a lot of preaching right there, even in that message. And, the, and, the, and that all the people returned. And in verse 22 it says, And then Joshua said, He didn't forget about those five kings after all this was done. He said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so and brought out those five kings to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. And so it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for the men of Israel to come, come hither. And he said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, Come near and put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on the necks. And Joshua said, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of a good courage, for thus the Lord will do it to all your enemies against whom you will fight. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. And afterward, Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees that they were hanging on the trees until evening. And when the evening came, with the time of the going down the sun, Joshua commanded that they be took down and put back in the cave where they would have been hidden and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remains until this very day. Hallelujah. How many knows that God is on our side? How many knows that God will never leave us? He'll never forsake us. Amen. I just want you to know this morning that maybe somebody, maybe somebody even here today, I believe with all of my heart that God said is speaking to you that it's time for you to step on your situation. Hallelujah. I don't know what that situation is, but God is saying it's time for you to step on that situation. It's time for you to put your foot on it. It could be today that somebody is about to change positions. Hallelujah. It could be today that somebody who's been feeling down, somebody who's been feeling distressed, somebody that's been feeling disappointed, somebody that's been feeling confused, somebody who has felt like something has had its foot on your neck that's trying to choke the life of you. It's not killing you, but it's cutting off your breath. It's cutting off your air, and it's making you hard spiritually to breathe and taking the joy out of your life. But today, I said today, the tables are about to be turned. Amen. Today, you could be changing positions. You're going from being under the circumstance to being over the circumstance. Hallelujah. Why? Because God is here today. God is on your side today, man. From being under the pressure to being the one who applies the pressure. You're going to put your foot on it. You're going to step on it. When you put your foot on it, it means that you are in charge. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I'm going to be in charge today. It means that you are going to be on top of it. It means that you are going to be on control. It means that whatever it is has lost its power to affect you. It means that you have already won the war. How can you say that, Pastor? Because Jesus already went to the cross on my behalf. He already took my punishment. He already took the position. He already took the place. And he said, these things that I do, you'll do, and even more. I have gone before you, and you can go behind me. Amen. Amen. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what it is. These five kings could represent anything. They could represent financial problems. They could represent marital problems. 
They could represent a physical problem or a spiritual problem. They could represent debt or sickness or even some kind of personal issue like addiction to alcohol or nicotine or pornography or gambling or lying or whatever. I don't know. It could be a lot of things. But whatever it is, this is what I want you to understand. Whatever it is, today it's time for you to step on it. Whatever it is, it's time for you to put your foot on the neck of that thing that's taking you down. Amen. It's time for you and I to arise to take our spiritual authority in the Lord. Amen. And put our foot on it. Amen. Romans 16 and 20 says this. And the God of peace shall crush Satan under your foot shortly. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ can be with you. Amen. Can I tell you, it could be today. It could be today that the Lord is saying, hey, I'm giving you authority today. I'm going to deliver you today. I'm going to take you over today. All you've got to do is come up hither and put your foot on the neck of the enemy. Amen. Hallelujah. See, from a God perspective, think about this. From a God perspective, the devil had already been defeated. How do you know that? Because he didn't hold him down, did he? He didn't keep Jesus on the cross. He didn't keep him out of the tomb. He's resurrected today. He's alive today. He's ascended today. He's making intercession for you and I today, man. Jesus has stripped him of his authority. He stripped him of his power. Galatians 2 and 15 says, And having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them all. Amen. Triumphing them. He was triumphant in what he'd done. Jesus is here today. How is he here? Because he is the winner. He's the victorious one. He is the one that's alive. He is the one making intercession. He is the one that's on our side. Amen. Hallelujah. So he has no power over my will. Talking about the enemy. He has no power over my will, but he has power over my mind sometimes. Think about it, church. He has no power over my spirit, but sometimes... He can wreak havoc in my mind. Doesn't matter what he does. This is what I want you to understand. He cannot take you out of God's hand. You have to leave there yourself. Doesn't matter what he brings your way. You have to make the decision. I'm leaving God. God's not going to leave you. He wreaks havoc with our mind. But to believe that the devil has no power sometimes, that he's weak, that he's helpless, don't make that tragic mistake. Listen to me, the devil is defeated from a God perspective, but he is not dead. I'm looking forward for the day when he's cast into outer darkness. I'm looking forward for the day that the Lord brings us all home and we can be reunited with those that's already gone before us and we can be in unity and we can be around the Father, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. While he cannot affect my standing with God, he can definitely mess with my circumstances. He can mess with my emotions. He can mess with manipulating people and things. He can attack through people, through sickness, through financial problems, through attacks on people that I love and you love, and back and forth we can go. In this scripture, Paul here is prophesying there's going to be a turnaround coming. There's going to be a turnaround that's coming to our life. I sort of like that idea. Paul is saying that that is what Jesus accomplished in the Spirit. He's getting ready to be manifested in your world. He's getting ready to manifest himself in your world every day. Listen to me, church. Every day I can walk in a fresh anointing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every day I can get up with a new fire and a new freshness over my mind in my life with the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Why? Because he's already defeated the enemy. He's already taken care of those things. Hallelujah. He's already done it. He's already done it. 
See, it's one thing to know that Jesus defeated the devil. But it's another thing to see that victory is manifested by our own personal experiences. Amen. I like to see his manifestations from time to time. How about you? I like to see God move. I like to see God work. I like to see God doing some great and wonderful things. I want more than just a revelation of how Jesus defeated the devil. I want to know that the devil this morning is under my feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Joshua said to his captains, you'll know this in Scripture. I want you to come near and I want you to put your foot. I sort of like how the, how the Old Testament puts it sometimes. You know, the Old Testament just, they didn't, they didn't play around, did they? I mean, everywhere you read in the Old Testament, I mean, God was doing some business. They didn't play around with things like we play around with them today. I like how they put it, how they deal with the enemy. I want you to come. I want you to put your necks, a foot on the necks of these five kings. Why did they do that, Pastor? It was simply to demonstrate that the victory was real to the people. It was simply to demonstrate that the victory was personal and that the enemy, these kings that had come up against us, See, Gibeon done a wonderful thing by joining forces with, the, with Joshua and the children of Israel. They recognized God was on their side. They recognized that. And they said, hey, look, we're, we're a big city here. We're a major city. But we understand and we recognize. We see what God is doing with Joshua. We see what God is doing with the children of Israel. We want to be a part of that. Amen. Let me stop here long enough to let you know when God is moving, I want to be a part of that. When God is doing some things, I want to be a part of that. Amen. When God's doing some healing, hey, I want to be a part of that. When God is changing lives, hey, I want to be a part of that. How about you? When God is doing new things in our midst, I want to be a part of that. And Gibeon understood that in life. He demonstrated it was real. It was personal. The enemy is under our feet. And Joshua said to these men, today is your day. Instead of running from it, instead of crying about it, instead of even praying about it, today you're going to put your foot on it. And when you do, you are going to choke the life out of it. Hallelujah. When you do, you are going to choke the life out of it. See, many times, many times, church, we're waiting on God to move in some great uh, method, some great supernatural way with one sweep, one wipe of the hands. He'll wipe out all of our enemies. But the truth is, to a large degree, that God has already done everything. Don't miss that point. God has already done everything. He's going to do until you and I do something. Some of y'all missed that. God already done everything. He's given us his word. He's given us his promises. He's given us what we need to take heed to. And we've got to step up to the plate. Joshua said, hey, captains, come up here. Man, they'd already went out and they'd already slaughtered everybody. The victory was theirs. But Joshua remembered those five kings up in the cave. And he told them, come get, come get these kings. Roll that large stone away from the mouth of the cave. Bring these kings out that represented all this stuff, that represented my failures, that represented the enemy upon my back, that represented all my inconsistencies, that represented, Brother Reigns, all my stuff that the enemy wants to put in and labor on my back with me. Hello? Bring them out. And captains, notice Joshua didn't do it, but he had the captains to come and put their foot upon their neck. Amen. What are you talking about? 
I understand that He's given us today His Word. He's given us His name. He's given us His blood. He's given us His Spirit. He's given us the power of praise. As Christian was saying earlier, He's given us the armor of God. Amen. And our job is simply to put on the armor of God. I had somebody to call me the other day and say, Hey, Pastor, I've just been praying, and, I said, and, I, and, and, and the Lord just keeps impressing on me to tell you, you need to put on the armor of God today. I said, All right, I'll do it. I'll say, Well, you know, what, why did they do that? I don't know. And maybe I'll never know because I, got, I said, Lord, give me the armor today. Apparently, I need it today. Give me that breastplate. Give me that helmet. Give me that sword. Give me the shoe. Give me the breastplate. Give me the armor, oh God. See, many times we don't step up to the plate and do those things when somebody asks us to do those things, talking of others maybe or even God. Hello, somebody. God helps us. He tries to help us day in and day out. Are we going to listen to him? Why? Because he is here to listen to. Amen. And we got to listen. we got to tune our eyes upon him. 2 Corinthians 10 and 3 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, how many of you is out there fleshly folk? Anybody, anybody got flesh out there? Reach over and pinch your name. No, no not, not do that. Let's start a fight this morning. For though we walk in the flesh, listen to me, we do not war according to the flesh. Why, Pastor? Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, every thought, every thought, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is not my message, but let me stop here long enough and say, listen, I don't know if your mind works like my mind, but sometimes the enemy says, so just put stuff in my mind. Where'd that come from? Hello? Where did that thought come from? Why am I thinking about this? The enemy, he's not dead, he's still alive. He's working to destroy you. He's working to kill you. He's working to take you out. Sometimes we just let him. We just walk with him. Oh, help me, Lord. But the scripture says every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of God. Notice, Joshua, as I told you a while ago, he, he didn't put his foot on the next. He, he, he let his captains do it. And that was to represent the very fact that the victory belonged to every single Israelite there that day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every single Israelite that day. Uh, I had, I had not planned to do this. I don't know if I can get by with this or not. Brother Reigns, maybe I can get by with you. Come up here right quick, if you don't mind, brother. Forgive me now what I'm fixing to ask you to do. Get out on the floor. Just lay down, brother. <clears throat> you ain't got holes in your pants, do you? All right. Here's my enemy right here. I want to give you, I want to give you an understanding, an illustration of what Joshua was telling these guys to do. So we, we think sometimes we read the Scripture and, did that really happen? I'm going to tell you, it happened. But God, God told, God told or Joshua said, get these kings out here. And Joshua got his captains up. And he put his foot on the neck of that king. Understand, in those days, a lot of times you couldn't even go before a king unless you got killed. 
That didn't make sense, did it? Unless you got killed. That ain't good English. <laughs> you understood it anyway, right? You had to be summoned before the king. You got me, right? Anybody just didn't go before the king. You had to, you had to be asked. You had to, there was protocol that you had to take care of. But in this time, this king, these five kings, the captains of the army of that day was asked to come and put their foot on the king, on the neck of the king, to defeat the king. Joshua was simply saying, hey, I want every Israelite pathway, I want every member of, of this house today to understand you have the victory over the king of the enemies in your life that's wreaking havoc today. Get that. Understand that today. You've got the victory. And what we've got to do is take our authority in God and come and put our foot on the neck of the enemy. No more devil. No more Satan. Come here, brother. No more am I going to bother you. Thank you very much. No more are you going to offend me. No more are you going to just, just hassle me. No more are you going to take me out. No more are you going to come against me. I have authority over you. Well, pastor, you've been serving God for 20, 30 years. I don't care if you got saved yesterday. You've got authority over the enemy. Ooh, if that don't make some of you shout, I don't know what will. You've got the authority today over the enemy. Don't allow the enemy to come and wreak havoc in your life. Don't allow the enemy to come speak lies to you in your life today, in your mind. Because in that mind, that battlefield, it'll create all kind of scenarios. I'm telling you, it will. All kinds of scenarios in your life. Amen. Notice Joshua. As I said, he didn't, he didn't put his foot. He got, the king, he got the captains to come. He got the captives come. He wanted every Israelite to know, every single one of them, every single one of them was subduing their enemies that day. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, say, hey, that means you. Subdue that enemy. That means you. Now tell them this. You have the power. Tell your neighbor, you've got the power. You've got the authority. You've got the weapons. Tell them this. Quit complaining about it. Just get up and step on the enemy. Hallelujah. Step on the enemy's neck. How can we do that, Pastor? Luke 10 and 19 says, Behold, I give you the power. Is that what it said? Behold, I give you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Some of y'all need to write that scripture down right there and read it every day. Behold, I give you the power. I give you the power to tread upon serpents. I give you the power to tread upon scorpions. I give you the power over all of your enemies. Over all the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you today. Understand, I'm not fighting flesh and blood this morning. I'm not fighting you this morning. And you're not fighting me. We're fighting the enemy today. My God, help us to get that. We're fighting the enemy today. Matthew 14. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit. We read the story of the disciples. Got in a boat one day and they went out to sea. Great storm arose. They feared for their lives and... And Peter looked through the storm and he saw the sea walker. He saw Jesus coming out, walking on the water. He saw Jesus, listen, he saw Jesus walking on the top of the very thing that was about to take them under. He saw Jesus having authority over the water. He saw Jesus having authority over the storm. He was walking on the water. And Peter said, Lord, I want to be on top of it too. Bid me come. That's what the word said. Bid me come. But in re really what he was saying, I want to be on top of that too. Listen to me, church. 
I don't want the enemy bothering me. I don't want the enemy in my life. Hello. I want to be on top of the enemy. I, want, I, I don't want, his, I don't want his, his imps. I don't want his demons. I don't want anybody of it coming and trying to destroy my life and my home. Amen. I want to be on top of it. Peter said, hey, Lord, I want to be on top of it too. And Jesus says, well, put your foot on it. And you know the story. Peter jumped out of the boat and stood on top of the very thing that was trying to kill him. He walked on top of the water. He walked on top of the storm. They brought these five kings out of their cave. They brought these kings out of their hiding place. And they began to identify them by name. It was this king. It was this king. It was this king. Listen, that's very important for us today. Sometimes we we take all these things just in the, in, the, in the same basket. God wants us to identify the enemy that's in your life. Before you and I can get victory over the things that has plagued you and has robbed you and has oppressed you, you've got to bring it out of hiding. Now this is where it gets real sticky right here for us folk. Because we ain't willing to bring some of the things out of hiding that's bringing us down. There's some things we are not willing to identify. Or we know what they are. We're not willing to bring them out and identify them. This is not in my notes, but let me just tell you. Some things, when it's brought to light. You ever notice when you turn lights on in a roach-infested room, what happens? Them little varmints get to scrambling somewhere. They, they, they find, trying to find a hiding place. You ever wondered what happens when you turn lights on in a place that's got mice in it? Some of y'all don't like mice. Little varmints. They don't like the light. They scramble. But here's the thing. You've got to bring it out of hiding. You've got to admit it. You've got to identify it. You've got to quit pretending that it doesn't exist. And here's the big one. You've got to quit admitting to yourself that it isn't a big deal. Pastor, I can handle this. I got this under control. Well, do you? Why are you still having problems with it then? If we've got it under control, then why is it, why is it a constant thorn in our flesh? I've got, I've, got to, I've got to quit admitting that it's not a big deal. I've got to quit admitting that I, that I can handle it by myself. I've got to quit admitting that I'm just going to keep it hidden in a cave somewhere. We live in a day and time, and y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm not telling you anything new. I don't care. You can open the newspaper up. You can turn your, inter- your computer on. You can, you can turn your television on. And we're plagued. We're plagued with with sexual innuendos everywhere, everywhere. Okay, where we go? Everywhere. We're plagued with these things. And even the left is saying that some of them is still okay. It's all right. That's how you're created. No, it's not. Let me just go ahead and help you there. The enemy has, has, has begun some of these things in our life to draw us away from our purpose. Draw us away from the passion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Before you and I can get victory over these things, quit hiding those things. Quit, quit to, ha- you have to admit those things. You have to identify those things. Listen to me. There have been great men and women of God that I've known in my life, and you have too, that's been used in a mighty way 
in a mighty way, who have fallen, not because the enemy was more powerful than them, but because they covered it, covered it up. They've covered up their problem, and they made excuses for it, and it grew until it took over their lives. You're right, little foxes, little things, day by day, process after process, little things that just gnawed at us. Again, talking of the mice, you ever notice mice when they start chewing on things? It's not big chunks that they chew, it's little things. My garage door, if you walk up to my garage door, right on the left-hand side of my garage door, there's a piece of wood over there. It was like a little one-by-two piece of trim work that's, that's, uh, taking, you know, that's, that's hiding the cracks, I guess, from the garage door coming down. Would you believe if I told you that over the last few years, then little stinking mice and, and rats has chewed a hole in the bottom of that about like this where they can get into my garage? And leave their business. Chew up my stuff. Ralph, they got in that my garage and then they got back in a box where I had a couple of sleeping bags. They've chewed holes. Where Richard, Richard, they've chewed holes in my sleeping bag that I used to carry to boys' rendezvous. Big holes where air can get through and make your honey cold. <laughs> chewed it up. Why? Just because it was there. Because they're trying to destroy, they're trying to, listen to me church, we, we, we laugh at this and we can talk all kinds, but here's the truth about it, the enemy of our lives, please hear me, the enemy of our lives wants to come in like those stinking rats and mice, little by little they'll chew holes in our life, they'll chew holes in our things, sometimes we don't even recognize it. Sometimes we don't even know that it was there until we open the box getting ready to go to boys' rendezvous and we find, well, when did this happen? Well, I'm preaching good right here. Because we've hidden it. We've not identified it. We've not taken care of the situation. We've not taken care of the problem. Listen to me. The Lord is, he wants to help us. And Joshua, he understood this was, what's going to, this was what's going to take place. And he wanted every children of Israel, he wanted every one of them to understand, victory is yours today. Victory is yours today. There have been great men, as I said earlier, great men and women in the past that I've known and you know that's, that those great ministers of the gospel doing great things. But little by little, they've allowed the enemy to come in and they've accepted some of these things so their life is ruined today. Ruined today. Before you can put your foot on it. If you're taking notes, you may want to write this down right here. Before you can put your foot on it, you've got to identify it. You've got to recognize it for what it is. You have to expose it. You have to expose it. Get honest with God about it. Talk to God about it. Hate it and want to be rid of it. Listen to me. You'll never quit drinking if you love it. You'll never quit lusting if you love it. You'll never quit overeating if you love it. Hello? You'll never quit gambling if you love it. You'll never quit smoking if you love it. You'll never quit overspending if you love it. You'll never quit quarreling or arguing if you love it. You'll never quit looking at pornography if you love it. You'll never quit holding grudges if you love it. Some things you just got to learn to hate. And the enemy's one of them. Learn to hate the enemy. Well, pastor, he ain't bothered me too bad. <laughs> mm, I had a thought right there, but I can't go there, political stuff. I can't talk about that. Ask me after church, I'll tell you. 
Psalms 139, 21 says this. Listen. Psalms 139, 21 says, Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? Pastor, are you supposed to hate things? Well, yeah, you can hate some stuff. Hate, hate these things that's taking you, taking you to hell. Hate these things that's, that's wreaking havoc on your family. Hate these things that's wreaking havoc in your life. You can hate those things. It, it, Psalms 139 says, Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? It says in verse 22, I hate them with a perfect hatred. You ever thought about that? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Hallelujah. In other words, David was speaking of a hatred born out of love. His love for God, in other words, was so strong that made him hate the things that was opposed to God. Mm. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Our love for God must move us. Our love for God must move us to hate the things that would terribly affect our relationship with Him. What is that thing that's keeping me down? What is that thing that's keeping me out of church? What is that thing that's not keeping, giving me victory day in and day out? Whatever it is, you've got to learn to hate it with a perfect hatred. Huh. My flesh and your flesh may want to lean in a particular direction that it, that it desires. Now listen, folks, understand, we're, we're fleshly people. We were born in sin, right? We have fleshly desires, do we not? That we have temptations sometimes that come our way. And there's not necessarily nothing wrong with the temptation, so to speak. It happens to every one of us, but what we do with that temptation is where the problem comes in. We can learn to resist the temptation. We can learn to say, God, I need your help on this particular situation. David was speaking here out of a hatred born out of love. Your love for God must move you to hate the things that would affect your relationship, whether your flesh and my flesh would lead in that direction. But if it is harmful to my relationship with God, then my spirit man needs to rise up within me and say, Hey, Danny, no! And here's, here, here's the point of, here's, here's, here's the point. When it says no, I have to listen. When it says no, you'll know when it says no. Nobody has to tell you. God gave you a conscience. God gave you that inner, that inside ability to say, hmm, something not right about this, right? If we all have it. Something's just not right about this, right? Something's just not... When that happens, I've got to make a decision right then to either follow that lust, to follow that temptation, to follow whatever, or my spirit man has to rise up and hate it. Before I can put my foot on it, I've got to hate it. I, I can't tolerate it. Listen to me. I cannot tolerate it and conquer it at the same time. Pastor, pray for me for this. Pray for me for this. I've had people, you have too, had people, hey, would you pray for me for this? <clears throat> and we pray for them, and we've asked God to touch, we've asked God to minister, we've asked God to direct, but they're still tolerating it. When you give God everything, you've got to turn your back on sin. You've got to turn your back on those things and walk away from it. Hello? Don't hang out with the world and expect everything's going to be okay. You, 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 you can't tolerate it and conquer it. You can't pet it. And conquer it at the same time. 
You can't cover it up and conquer it. You can't deny it and conquer it. You've got to hate it with a holy hatred. And when you do, you will go after it and destroy that thing, man. You'll destroy that thing that's taken you down. When you truly hate it, not only will you want victory over it, but you will want everybody that, that's involved with you, that's in your, in your space, in your paradigm, to also have victory over it as well. If I can have victory, so can you. Amen. If God can deliver me, God can deliver you. He's no respecter of persons. Amen. Joshua understood this. Put them kings in the cave and roll the stone over that. We'll come back to them later. Let's go and kill all these other enemies first. And then we'll come back and we'll deal with these enemies. See, you want every person in debt to be debt free when God delivers you from it. Amen. You want every sick person to be healed when God heals you. You want every addicted person to be delivered when God delivers you. You want every oppressed person to experience joy and peace just like you do because you have now been delivered. Amen. You've been delivered. I don't know what it is in your life today. I, I don't know how big it is. I don't know how small it is. But it's time this morning for you to step on it. It's time for us to step on it. And when we do, something supernatural is going to take place. God Almighty is going to go fight for us. He'll show up and say, hey, Joshua, don't worry about none of them. They ain't none of them going to be able to stand in your presence. Good, hallelujah. Hey, Brother Danny. Hey, Brother Eugene. Hey, Brother Reigns. Hey, Sister Karen. Hey, Brother Parker. Don't worry about the enemy. Ain't none of them going to be able to stand in your presence today. I don't, know, I don't know what you envisioned when, when, when you heard the Lord say that, but what I envisioned, I, just, I, I envisioned myself just walking up, up to the enemy, and the enemy has to bow before me. Hallelujah. He has to bow before me. Before he was, he was breathing out all kind of things. Before he allowed me mouthing off all kind of things. But now I've got the victory of Almighty God. I've understood my authority. I've understood my position. And now when I come before him, he has to go. He has to go. Sort of like Brother Rains did with his feet all up. <laughs> he has to go. Joshua said to these men, so if you'll just turn and fight, if you'll just turn and fight your enemies, then God is going to fight with you and not a single one of your enemies will stand against you. And after that, when they put their foot on the enemy's necks. Joshua took those kings, the Bible said. He killed them, he slayed them. Not only did he, did he just kill them, he hung them up. Man, he hung them up where everybody could see. He hung them up till it got evening time. In other words, well, there was no light, you couldn't see them anymore. He hung them up. Why, Pastor? So they could witness to everybody else. We think sometimes that he wanted to make a witness so all the children of Israel could see it. I don't think that was the case. Bible alluded to this. I think that he hung them up. The reason he hung them up, so the enemies could come by. And see what was done. Said, I, I ain't bothering them. I ain't bothering that group. I'm staying away from that people. I'm not, you know, they got God on their side. Man, when God's on their side, I can't do anything. The enemy looked at them and saw those things. In other words, look what God has done. Look what the Lord has done. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you as well. Here, here, here they are, but now they're dead now. 
They were alive, but they're dead now. Now they've got no influence whatsoever. They used to be kings. They used to be people of authority. They used to have crowns setting up on their head. They used to have people come at their beckoning call, but now they have no influence. Now they've got no power. Now they've got no authority in my life. And after he took them down, I find this interesting. He put them back in the same cave that they went and hid and rolled the stone in front of it again. Let them rot and let them decay there. Ooh, this ain't in my notes, but let me tell you something. Some of y'all, some of y'all need to find a spiritual cave. You need to go to that enemy, you need to kill it, and not only do you need, don't let it just hang there all the time. Thank you, Lord. Don't let it just hang there all the time so you can go by and look at it every now and then. You ever notice sometimes enemies have a way of coming back to life? That that you thought was dead? Yeah. Don't, let, don't, don't hang it there so you can look at it every now and then. Put them in the cave. Roll the stone in front of the cave and turn around and leave them. Amen. Turn around and leave them. They're dead now. They've got no influence. They've got no power. It's time for you to put your foot on it. And it might be something even as simple as stubbornness. Say, Pastor, that's not a real simple thing. Well, you're right. It, it's not sometimes. Don't raise your hand, spouses, but how many of you live with a stubborn spouse? I'm just kidding. I'll get myself in trouble. Believe it or not, I ain't talking about Karen. I ain't. Believe it or not, stubbornness, I don't know if you'll, I don't know if you'll believe this or not, but stubbornness is, is not a gift of the Spirit. It's not. It's an offense of the Spirit. Musicians, come and help me here so I can not get in trouble. <clears throat> We're talking about a lot of things that these kings could represent. We're talking about stubbornness, but you, know, you also could talk about moodiness as well. As Christians, listen, we're not supposed to live necessarily by our emotions all the time. I put this in here, although you'll laugh at it because of who I am, but li listen to this. If I am having a bad hair day, That's interesting, isn't it, Mike? If I'm having a bad hair day, it does not give me a right to bite your head off. I'll use me. That's all right. This, this, this is going to this is going to help some of you right here. Hold on. Matter of fact, you may want to grab the, your neighbor's hand and hold on to this one. If I've got to have three cups of coffee before I can hold a civil conversation, <clears throat> then there's something very carnal. And self-centered about that. Talking about subduing our enemies. Or it might be something like sarcastic. Being sarcastic. The Bible says that our speech is supposed to be kind and gentle. And it's supposed to minister grace to the hearers. Grace to the hearers. And you may say, well, pastor, I'm just telling the truth. I'm just telling it like it is. Yeah, you may be. But when you speak sarcastically, you make the truth offensive. And you become an instrument of offense instead of grace. Grace to the hearers. Don't allow the enemy, don't allow the enemy to use you in this area. If, 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 if it's there, then deal with it. If it's there, then admit it. If it's there, then expose it. If it's there, then hate it. If it's there, put your foot on it, whatever it is in your life. Amen. And as I said, I don't know what it is in your life, but it's time for you and I to get victory over this thing in our life. It's time for us to step on the thing that is holding us back. 
Here's, here's, here's what I'll leave you with. If you'll, if you'll go down that chapter, in chapter 10, if you go further down, you'll find these words in verse 30. And the Lord also delivered. Hallelujah. If you go down in verse 32, you'll see, and the Lord also delivered. All throughout that chapter, you'll find, and the Lord also delivered. Can I tell you this morning, church, the Lord is still in the delivering business today. The Lord is still desiring to set us free today. The Lord is still wants to take us and move us from where we are to the place that he has for us. We've got to get up to the next level. We've got to arise. But in order for us to do that, we've got to draw these enemies out and we've got to put our foot on the enemy that he can bother us no more. Hallelujah. And I don't know about you, but I think it's high time for us to do that. Amen. All heads bowed and eyes closed, and they begin to play something softly. I want you to listen to me. I know we've laughed a little bit at some of the things that I've talked about. But seriously, serious as I know how to be, there's things in our life, every one of us probably, that keeps us from moving forward keeps us from being obedient to the voice of God keeps us from the clarity the freshness that we desire we really want to feel God's freshness every every day I believe that I believe God's people want to feel this freshness every day we don't want to just live a day just just being ho-hum and and everything's the same old same old no We want to live the freshness of the Spirit of God in our lives. But in order to do that, there's things that we've got to admit. There's things that we've got to identify. There's things that we've got to draw out of our, those dark corners of our thoughts and dark corners of our mind and deal with them. We've got to identify them. We've got to expose them. God said when you identify them and you expose them, I've done the rest for you. I died on the cross. I've come to set you free. I've come that you can be a deliverer and be delivered as well. You may be here this morning and say, Pastor, there's some things in my life I've got to have deliverance over. There's some things in my life I've got to have deliverance. If that's you, I want you to get up and I want you to come down this altar, kneel down, and let's begin to seek God. See, that's all you've got to do. I just want you to come down to this altar and begin to identify I want you to get up and come down to this altar, whether you're in the balcony or on this main floor, wherever you may be. Come. Surrender all of that to the Lord. Don't wait on your neighbor. Don't wait on somebody else to come. But if you know that God is dealing with you, if you know there's things in your life that doesn't belong, if you know that you're here this morning and you're lost and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then it's your time to come. It's your your time to enjoy the blessings and the joy of the Lord. God said today is your day. But you've got to put your foot on it. What is it? What is it in your life that's holding you back? What is it in your life that's keeping you fulfilled? What is it in your life that's not giving you the freedom that you want? What is it? There's things that's coming to your mind and I'm talking to you talking to you you need to arise you need to get up and take your authority today in jesus name you need to take your authority would everybody stand please well let me just michelle gonna sing sing a chorus maybe
in a song. But while she sings, if you're here today, I want you to come. I want you to come in Jesus' name. I'll meet you. We'll pray with you. Hallelujah. Go ahead.